Welcome to our podcast series, In My Head, where we break down the barriers and stigmas of mental health, chatting about lived experience, mental health-related issues affecting young people, and pathways to support and self-care. We are a group of young volunteers, part of the Headspace Orange Youth Reference Group, and with this series, we're hoping to challenge the way you think about mental health and the conversations you have about it. During this series, we will touch on topics surrounding mental health and well-being, and want to acknowledge the lived experience of our guests. If any of the content brought up in this series resonates with you and you feel you need extra support, please reach out to Lifeline, Kids Helpline and Headspace Online Services. We want to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Wiradjuri country and extend that acknowledgement to the traditional lands that you're listening from. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We would like to thank the Department of Communities and Justice who helped fund this podcast through the Regional Youth Radio Program, as well as Headspace Orange and their lead agency, Marathon Health. Okay, so welcome back to In My Head. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Toby, your host, and I'm joined by Maddie. Hi, everyone. And we're joined by Jason French from Communities New South Wales. Yep, it's actually the Office of Sport New South Wales, but I'm happy to do this as a community member today. So (laughs) thanks, Toby, and thanks, Maddie, for inviting me. No, thank you for coming in. We're really excited to have you. Hmm. I don't get that often. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess... Uh, the main thing would be, I guess, to just explain a little bit about what your main role in the community is and what your role is in the job. Okay, so uh, my, my job my job title is Aboriginal Sports Development Officer. I've been in that role with the Office of Sport. So we've had, I've been in the role for 16 years. We probably had about nearly 16 name changes within that time as well. So from Sport and Recreation to Communities New South Wales to Communities of Sport, so all that all that type of stuff. But basically my role is to just get community members, more so targeting the Aboriginal community, the Aboriginal communities within the Central West. And when I say the Central West, it's basically from Lithgow, previously it used to be out to Broken Hill, from Lake Jelligo to Coonabarabin. So it was pretty much nearly you know two-thirds of the state that I'd covered. So basically my role is to get Aboriginal women or just community people active within the community. So whether that's through mainstream sport, whether it's through health and fitness programs, or it's just a, a mum's and bub's walking group. So it's about mm. setting up programs. We all know the benefits of being healthy and fit and the benefits that sport play uh, within your overall um, health, mental health and well-being. So it's, I see it as a vital role. Sport for me has always been a really big part of my life. Uh, it's it's opened up so many doors throughout my life, and it's given me so many opportunities, and I've made so many so many good friends, lifelong friends as well. So um, that's pretty much what I do. I've got to say, I don't see it as a job. It's one of those things, and I always tell. I've told my kids, and I, I tell any youth or anyone that, especially the youth that that we work with, is that get a career or go into a job that you actually love where it doesn't feel like work. So when I wake up in the morning, it's it's not that challenge to get out of bed and, and think, oh, damn, here's another day we've got to go through the grind. Oh, so, another day at work. Yeah, yeah. So if you can actually if you can actually go through and, and find something that you're passionate about, it, it just makes it a hell of a lot easier to get out and do it. And um, like I said, 
I've been doing the role for 16 years with the Office of Sport. It'll be 16 years May, 5th of May this year. I've been doing community sport on a volunteer basis probably for about 35 years. Jeez. So it's it's been a while. So you can see it's it's played a big role within my life. So I guess what was like the the big sort of driving motivation when you were younger? Like what was like did you grow up and then aspire that oh this is when I definitely want to do something with sport when I'm older and was it more of a like a community minded mindset sort of thing back then? Well, I grew up in Narrabri, so in northwestern New South Wales. So back in 2012, Narrabri was named Australia's sportiest town. And like growing up, pretty much we played a whole lot of sports. So I'm, I'm not sure if you know Narrabri, it's not a big... Uh, back when we were growing up, with the population was around seven, 8,000 people. So but for that for that size of a community, we produced, or Narrabri produced, a lot of national, state and international sporting stars. And it was just something that we were obviously down the ovals, or swimming in the rivers, or you know, basically playing a whole range of sports. So I've I've always considered myself a, a jack of all sports, master of none. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm willing to to give anything a go. Like growing up, and it was it was quite good. So rugby league was my sport of choice, um, closely followed by cricket. But we played squash, tennis, touch football. Swimming, we've done a whole range of different different sports within Narrabri. So for me, having that ingrained, or, or I guess, well, not so much ingrained, but having that opportunity as a young young Aboriginal boy within a community, and I seen so we didn't have a whole lot. Like I mean, our family, we didn't even have a car growing up. So mm. if we were, if I was to go away with sport, it'd be you know with friends or other family. So. It was those opportunities which actually gave, and the, the people that invested time into me back then, and I thought, you know, growing up, I took on my first coaching role as a fifteen-year-old, and Jeez. so we we coached an under sevens rugby league team, a mate and a, a good mate of, of mine, um, and basically from there, I, I just never looked back. We just, you know, continued to play sport, continued to to be involved. Right across a number of, like I said, a number of different codes, and it's yeah, it's just something that th- those people that invested the time into me basically gave me that opportunity growing up. I'm thinking, well, it's it's I would like to give back and give whether it's just one individual or ten or a hundred that same sort of opportunity which I was for you know uh, you know afforded enough to to meet new people, experience places where I probably never, you know, dreamt of going as a, as a young Aboriginal boy from Narrabri. From there, it just, it, basically, that's what I, that's what drives me. So, you know, giving, giving, giving the opportunity back now to young youth coming through, if that makes sense. I sort of went about it in a, in a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. no, um, that's lovely. And, like, there's so many things you can get out of sport, particularly as a young person, but anyone of any age really whether that's like your social skills confidence sense of like belonging in community being able to commit to a team and other people and there are so many struggles with it whether that be like financially even uh considering travel or things like that and then it depends on the family's values like some may value academics and 
money so as a teenager they might be the priorities and just shove sport to the side that sort of thing um but it's such an important thing so i think it's something to definitely like advocate for oh yeah and you you say right maddie like it's for me it was it was sort of my way out so it gave me like i said it opened doors it i said 16 years ago with no formal qualifications it got me the job that i'm doing now so basically it was just a community volunteer all my volunteer stuff, which I'd done in the community, which landed me the, this role. And I was, I'm still grateful to this day for that opportunity. I, I do think it's, you, you need to find that work sort of balance in terms of whether it's schoolwork, work, where you're pursuing you know, further academic uh, qualifications or whatever. I think that the sport definitely plays a role within just level, you know, basically levelling it out and refreshing and recharging yourself so it might be you can be you know shoulder deep in books and study but to do that you know basically five or six days a week without any sort of physical activity it will will, will, for my personal belief I believe it it was for me it'll just wear me down so without doing any sort of physical activity and that's could be just going for a walk it could be you know um like a form of, like, release, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, I've always been a sporty kid growing up and stuff, but then school sort of became important and then I got a few jobs and that was going really well because I could buy myself a laptop and a phone and a car and take my family on holidays and all the fun stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, all right, let's, like, keep working and doing school. You're going good. Yeah. And then when it came to all of my sporting stuff, like, a few years ago, um, I'd help, like, coach a netball team and did a few other things. But then I went, oh, you know, I can just do that later. Life's a bit busy. I'll drop it. And then last year, I was working seven days a week and going to school. And, yeah, just uh, I'd have so much energy but no way to sort of fulfil that. And then before I knew it, I was becoming tired after doing pretty much nothing. And then... Yeah, sports, just something to really look forward to. And I think in terms of having the balance, it's really important. Like, personally, I do a lot of martial arts stuff, predominantly taekwondo. And it's really funny. I remember when I started, one of the first grading questions for your belt was, who's your best friend? And the answer was a book and pencil. (laughs) Uh, It sounds really cringy to start off with, but once you understand the concept, it's to know that with knowledge, that's what sort of gets you places. But whilst having knowledge is super important, uh, what's even more important is how you apply that knowledge and use it for mm-hmm. yourself and your community. Mm-hmm. And I think being part of sport encourages that, whether that's martial arts, learning that sort of stuff, or even growing up, being with other members of the sporting community, whether it be looking up to coaches that give you advice or even, uh, I know your wife, Kat, as well. Mm-hmm. And she'd always say, practice makes permanent not perfect yep. mm-hmm. and just little things like that that you really pick up on and yeah. and and coaches can be quite influential on an individual or a team's life and that's you know that's that's the sort of impact that I'd like to to think that I'd leave a sort of a legacy on on especially the kids that we work from disadvantaged backgrounds if we can actually leave if I can leave you know some sort of legacy or w- with them to think you know basically if they come out of a struggle or Coming out of their situation, they can look back and say, do you know what, sport and that, that time Jason was actually being quite tough on us about discipline and turning up to training and being on time 
So those little sort of social skills that basically they, they might not get at home, that you can actually install that through sport and then hopefully they can carry that through their life and if they get a job. So it's about important about turning up, being on time and, you know, respecting your co-workers. And so there's there's a whole range of different like social skills that they can actually take from it as well, so, which, which I regularly and... Um, well, I'm, I'm always not not pushing it, but I'm sort of reinforcing it to the, the teams that I'm involved with, whether it's through sport or our my work or my, my volunteer roles. Mm. Yeah. Um, when you are like part of that sporting community as well, you get to know so many people, whether that be a coach or even um, one of your teammates' parents. And then from getting to know people and building that image and reputation, particularly in rural areas, mm-hmm. you can then stumble across you know, job offers or and sort of build those connections? Definitely. I know um, all my kids have grown now, so I've got uh, grandchild number eight on the way. But oh, when, Congratulations. When we were, um, when the kids were younger, if we'd go downtown, they have to go into Coles or IGA and they said, Dad, can you please not talk to anyone when you come in because you just talk forever. <laughs> and that was just, like I said, and most of the time it was, it was just through family or friends that I'd made through sport. And it was most of the time the topic was around sport. So, mm. so. Well, I guess it's also, it's sport in a way and physical activity in general. Like it sort of has a deep tie to like both your mental health and like how you sort of do your decision making and stuff like that. It certainly does. For for me, those big moments never really came my way often. So, mm. <laughs> so I played, I think I played rugby league for nearly... Oh, nearly 25-plus years, never won a premiership. Um, but for, for me, that, I mean, it was just the, the, the premiership would have been like an icing on the cake, especially with in our my, my sort of, I guess, prime years with me mates. So it was always good, that camaraderie, that rugby league actually brings you together. But we sort of like lived and breathed it back home, you know, growing up. And... Funnily enough, it wasn't long after that I left because I'd left Narrabah when I was 18 and I think the following year we had a number of um, our teams win premierships. So I don't know if it was me just bringing the bad luck or, or you know, or what it was. But, um, but yeah, it, it certainly helps with those moments in terms of how you, how you actually approach, you know, pressure situations. So it could be within, whether it's in the home, workplace or community. So, and you... you you're in a, a situation where you, where you might find yourself that you may not, you know, basically may not like, but it's how you react within that situation to, mm. to actually deal with it. So if you're taught that through sport and calmly um, to, to basically well, be calm, it certainly that carries over into your overall sort of life and, and um, within the community and what you do. What would be? What would you say would be one of the biggest barriers for like indigenous kids to to get some kind of like to take that step into getting into some kind of uh, sport or active community? Yeah, like sport. Or, yeah, like in the sport or in the active community. Like, would there be any kind of like major <laughs> barriers that you could think of? Oh, uh, I, I think the biggest thing is like locally. There, there's 
there's probably a different few levels. So locally, it comes down to just having support, whether it's at home, um, probably within the last 10 years, cost of junior sport has certainly been a, a, a big barrier. Like that's locally, mm. um, regionally, state or, or nationally. Um, yeah, it's quite unfortunate in terms of like fitness and stuff in general, mm-hmm. like sporting equipment, joining a sporting team, all of that is highly expensive uniforms. And then even uh, you go into Woolies or IGA or something and you have a punnet of raspberries that's like $7 or you have <sighs> yeah. a giant caramel mud cake for $2.50. Yeah. It's sort of like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I know that struggle as well. So, um, yeah. but yeah, but the, the op- there's plenty of opportunities um, for our youth, Indigenous, non-Indigenous today, to actually play sport. It's just you know basically being motivated. The I, I guess the technology has sort of taken over as well in the last probably you know Couple ten of to decades. fifteen, yeah, 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 ten to fifteen, twenty yeah, years which has had an impact as well. So sport in general over, there's been a, a, a trend where there's a drop-off and it's across all codes. It's, it's not isolated to just one code, but there's usually a state or a national drop-off around that 15 to 16, more so within, the, within females as well. Um, I think personally from my experience, I feel as though that could come down to the whole stigmas of youth and the whole shame Mm -hmm. sort of thing because I remember even doing sport in high school and things like that at the start of year seven everyone was too scared to push the boundaries at all because you're at a new school with new teachers Mm -hmm. and don't know what the limits are but then soon enough girls in particular would stop participating in sport most of my classes I remember I would be one of the only girls playing and I'd ask all of my friends, I'm like, come on, guys, like, it's just a bit of touch, you know, you don't even have to be good, just, I'm not, yeah. like, come join me. But then it's sort of, oh, no, I don't want to be judged, I'm not good. Yeah. Shame, 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 but it's like... And that's 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 probably um, has gotten a heap worse with the, the technology as well. So mm-hmm. people are just filming you these days and they'll post it and that'll just take that away and that can that, that leads to its own issues as well yeah like especially that, for the younger yeah yeah that, youth. that sort of fear of um being ostracized in any kind of environment be it physical digital or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. definitely definitely and that's it's it, that's sort of difficult to to actually you know overcome um and sort of post-covid as well it, it's made it even like that has like we've had that digital age that's come through which Make you know basically we had like there's there's been a, a significant drop off in, in, in especially junior sport mm. increase in in cost have COVID post COVID where basically again there's a lot of sports that are struggling in terms of just attracting whether it's junior sports senior sports right across right across the the state if not the nation. Mm. Um, I just put that down to, I, I don't know if families became comfortable within their own skins, thinking, oh, well, I don't have to run, you know, I don't have to run Johnny to soccer and then basketball and, you know, cricket in the off-season mm. uh, through the summer. You've got training with all of that, then all the other cost. Mm. Or whether the kids have just lost interest with it. So I feel like another contribution could potentially be, again, with the whole technology stuff, like, I feel as though when I was younger, I was really driven to do sport, whether that was touch footy or 
netball or whatever it was because that was the only way I'd get to see my friends outside of school. Like, that was my excuse to go socialise with them and to muck around and all that sort of thing. But now with the amount of technology we have and with younger and younger kids having it and that sort of thing, whilst there's heaps of advantages to it too, and I get it, I love my phone as a (laughs) 17-year-old, but at the same time there's no longer that drive to go out and play netball to hang out with the girls and that sort of thing because instead I can just snap them and get them to meet me at the shops. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, priorities definitely change. And it feels like also that there's less that there's less opportunities generally, be it for like Indigenous people or Indigenous kids to like strive out and do something different, but also like just less opportunities for kids in general to like try and do something different. It's like you're more sort of incentivized to just you know you come home from school and then you're more just stay in your room or stay at home and you don't do a whole lot mm-hmm. that's that thing of like how do you sort of get them out of that rut I guess because I was definitely in there and for me it was like community engagement stuff that managed to get me out of it yeah I think that comes back to society in general so we've, we've sort of gone down that path with that that technology advancement where you know kids Certainly when I was growing up, we were always outside. Um, our home time was the, the streetlights. We knew we had to be home before, before the, or once the streetlights came on. But we were always outside doing something, mm. playing a game or doing, you know, meeting up with friends and just swimming at the river, whether it was playing touch football down the park or just, you know, cricket at the nets or just we were always active. And that was basically riding push bikes. How many kids do you see ride, you know, riding push bikes regularly these days? Not often. Not many. Yeah, so it's, you know, we, it, for us, that was, uh, you know, one of the, the cooler things to do. And I still remember 13 year uh, as a 13-year-old, getting my BMX bike with the yellow mag wheels. I, I just thought I was the bee's knees. Oh, nice. Hour, so it was, it was great So to actually ride around. But you don't see that these days. And I think parents are comfortable with their kids being inside Staying at home because they know what, where they're at. Um, I see here, even within Orange, um, a group of kids that even if they're out riding their bike or just being in the park, could be climbing a tree. And um, and I've seen like the police turn up to actually say, "Hey, what are you doing here? Like you're up to no good." Mm. And you know they're just out being kids, so it's that sort of stigma that's attached to it as well. Like in today's society, where You've got neighbours or whoever just seeing, you know, oh, there's a bunch of kids over there, they're hanging out there, they're no good. Mm, so you better yeah. call the police and, and get down. So it's sort of a society thing as well. We've gone down that path where parents are quite happy for the kids to be sitting in the room and, you know, on their phones. A hundred percent. And I think that that in itself, and we know the, the I guess, the, the dangers associated with that in terms of all the social media stuff that you can actually access online these days and you know, the yeah. predators and mm. and um to oh well it's not even to a lesser degree because it is a bit it's, it's it's out there like the bullying that you can actually be doing all from your your, your bedroom yeah, yeah it's just the the whole sort of prolonged exposure to just always being sort of terminally online i guess it's just sort of your not only like physically but your sense of like sort of self and self-worth tends to get very skewed as well yeah. Yeah, and I'm hyper-fixated. Yeah. In terms of, like, societal views and things like that, it's 
even if I was to plan to meet up with my friends and go to sport somewhere or head out to the lake for the swim or something like that, it can also be challenging because if you have parents at work and that sort of thing and you're too young to drive yourself or don't have a car yet or anything like that, you've got to walk or ride your bike places, which typically would be fine, not too much of a bother or anything. But then in terms of the way society works and what everyone sees on the media it's oh you're a young girl everyone's out to get you you know like you can't go walking anywhere by yourself or even in the day and it's like oh i don't know i've never seen anything dodgy happen but the media is a whole new sort of (laughs) oh my gosh new can of worms or rabbit holes that we probably haven't got enough time to go down oh yeah no (laughs) i could probably talk at length of just my gripes about that kind of stuff and that's one of the big i don't watch any news um pretty much my tv viewing is pretty much sport that's Mm. that's that's it sport and um a bit of netflix but i don't yeah I, i i don't get caught up in the in the news or all that type of stuff because it just it's all doom and gloom and dread yeah in terms of um like the central west sort of community particularly orange what would you sort of advise for a young person um particularly indigenous kids on how to become part of a sporting community if they're struggling with that whole process and don't really know who to talk to yep school's always a good place to start um you could you could reach out through your teachers within the schools and they they do offer a lot of sporting opportunities um, as a school-based sport yeah it like i said it comes back down to like the motivation of the individuals and and also the family of wanting to to be a part of whether it's a sports club as, as as a club or a team sport or an individual sport we established orange united sports club um back in 2014 and the, the sole purpose of establishing the club was to actually give not just Aboriginal kids an opportunity to play mainstream sport, but any any kid, whether it was where, whether they were in a, the social housing area or, you know, whatever area within Orange, an opportunity to play sport if they weren't engaged. What we'd found back then, there were some figures that we'd done that had come out through a number of, um, and I can't think of the the actual surveys that they came out, but there were a number of figures where, with, especially with kids within social housing areas, that there was something like 85, 90% of these kids weren't engaged into any type of physical activity or sport outside of school. Mm. So that was one of our driving forces to establish and we targeted the the, the schools within Bowen and Glenroy here in Orange. Yeah, and that's a huge problem as well, not only because you could be lacking all of the benefits that we've listed. But um, because, yeah, then they end up spending their time with their mates, usually just doing innocent stuff, Mm. but because they get bored with not having jobs or sport or whatever it may be and they are just hanging out, they do get a bad reputation Mm. from the police and local community just because people don't know them well enough, even though, which is obviously very unfortunate, but... And, and that's where we come on, come on with the, the Orange United Sports Club. Um, like prior to that, we were involved. We used to take the, the young Aboriginal boys away to Aboriginal Rugby League knockouts throughout New South Wales. So that was you know, once or twice a year. We'd do a smaller knockout and then the, like a, the, the annual New South Wales knockout over the October long weekend. So leading up to that, we would put it out. We'd put it out to the boys 
and basically we'd see the change in their attitude. So we'd get them together as a team. So they, they felt a sense of belonging, a, a sense of pride that they were going to represent their community. And um, through you know, pulling on a jersey, bringing a team, that, that whole, you know, going into sort of battle. And the social benefits, like the their schooling attendances basically improved, their behaviour improved. So we'd seen this for a number of years and it was yeah, 2014 we are coming back from the knockout and basically I had a call, Trina and I were talking, we said we've got to offer these kids, what more can we actually offer them than you know, taking them away to a knockout once or twice a year? Mm. And it was on the back of Katrina's council program, Merge, at the time. They had Cal Bruton out, which was running Hall of Famer, Cal, um, Australian Hall of Famer basketballer. He was running a, a week-long basketball clinic as part of the Merge holiday program and I went up in my role as sport and rec on, I think, the second day and I walked in and I looked around and I thought, there's about 60 kids and I thought, here here we go. I reckon we can actually get kids out of this to actually put into the local competition. So that's where... So I grabbed a pen and a bit of paper and I went around and said, who would like to play basketball in the local competition? And we ended up with three teams. Funnily enough, those three teams, I'd say 80% of those kids came from Bowen. Um, the other 10% were made up of just sort of the rest of Orange. So we had support and basically it's 10 years this October that we've been running the basketball and we've had hundreds of kids come through from all parts of Orange, um, high percentage from Bowen and Glenelg. And I've seen some of those kids go on to bigger and better things. And unfortunately, I've seen some also fall by the wayside, but that's just... Know, that's just part of it, mm. yeah. part of life. And um, but as as the United Sports Club, we're we're extremely passionate about creating opportunities. For, it's not about going out winning premierships and and you know, winning at all cost. It's more so just getting out there, having fun, meeting new people, and basically playing. Yeah, I think also just allowing kids that sense of belonging and. Mm-hmm being part of a community and feeling like they are able to contribute and things like that because I know even from personal experiences, I love school now mm. as a Knobles High School student, but in primary school I really didn't enjoy it all that much and didn't feel as though I did anything or was part of any groups, things like that, aside from my small amount of friends. Mm. But, yeah, then really getting passionate about sports and getting into that, even though... I was just a GD in netball or whatever it was and it wasn't anything too big, still just feeling like when my teammates would feel upset if I wasn't able to make it to a training or game and my coach would be asking where I was and things like that sort of made me consider, wow, I am important, like I really am making a difference. You know, people are relying on me, I'm relying on them. It's just a really sweet feeling that all kids should really be able to have. Oh, definitely, definitely. And like I said, it's... Doing it for as long as I've been doing it, I've just seen so many, so many kids, and will you know grow young kids grow into strong adults, and 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 I know that I've played a small part within that, and that that also drives me as well to keep going because people say you know, well even even you know, I, I think it's was said recently we had um, one of the. There's a young girl that's involved with our basketball team and we're out at touch football and she'd seen us out there and then she'd see us at um, netball and 
her mum came up to me and said one day, said basically she said, oh, look, Jason must have a lot of kids because he's, he's always at all these sporting events. And um, she had to tell him, no, look, that's just something that Jason does as his job and he, he loves it. But we co- I call him, so does Trina, we call him you know, all of our kids. So and that's probably one of the first questions that we get asked at any any sporting event we'll go to where we'll go along and basically the parents will come up and say, which one's your kid? And we'll just say, all of them. <laughs> and they'll sort of look at us and we go, yeah, well, we're, we're here to see it. And, and we've sacrificed a lot of our own personal time and in some cases our, our money as well to support kids that we know haven't been supported just to give them that, that opportunity. But through our sports club now, we're in a position where we can actually apply for grants and funding to actually offset that and, and look at creating those opportunities to give the to give these kids that are a bit less fortunate an opportunity to come out. And whether that's play locally or go to a be part of a, a rep team that um, is representing Orange or making a state team. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, for me, the, the joy that it's, I don't know, I, I can't, there's no words that describe it when you see someone that actually makes, like whether it's a rep team or even locally. We have, um, I'll share a quick story. Um, last year with our netball, we had under nines, an under nines netball team that was playing for the second year. And, we had a we basically put our our call out at the start of each year, like we do on Facebook and the social medias, to say hey, registrations are open. And we had an inbox from a mum, and basically she said, "Oh look, my daughter, who has you know a couple of disabilities, was basically told she couldn't come back to the team that she played with the, the previous year." And um, she was devastated. And mm. I've, I still keep this message on my phone and I show people, like, mum said, yeah. You know, um, she said, I'm happy to share it um, to, to anyone. But I share this story. And anyway, basically, we said she's quite welcome to come and play with, with us. She had a she has a disability that affects her running. And um, she was very much down on herself. Her first year playing, she had a, a really bad experience. They pretty much sat her in one position and she just stayed there that whole, that whole season. <laughs> So didn't really, and she absolutely loves netball. So basically we gave an opportunity. She played every position within netball, had a great year. Unfortunately, she didn't finish the season due to some of her um, illnesses, but it's still very much a part of the team. And I'd sent mum a message probably about four or five weeks ago to say, hey, got red goes open again, we'd love. And she rang me and broke down crying, said, I never even expected like that to, you know, basically... What you've done for, for our daughter has just given her strength and, and belief within herself. Oh. And it's something that, yeah, so it's that side of it as well. And so Yeah, exactly. And touch wood, funnily enough, we had this, uh, like an, another mum say, ring us and have the same thing this year, saying my daughter has this disability, um, unbeknown to this other mum, and I actually shared that message with her, and she said, we're definitely coming to sign up with United after that. Oh. And I went, yeah. yeah, look, and it's... Because it's not about, as I, as I said, it's not about winning or you know winning at all costs. It's about just creating that opportunity. Yeah, like to it's be not a part of something and, and feeling a a a sense of self worth and, and belonging. And yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you have to have other people sort of believe in you before you're able to oh, believe in yourself. Totally. Really, that's mm-hmm. how a lot of people work. And I feel as though that's really good. I mean, they're kids. It's they're not getting ready for the Olympics, you know, and. Um, yeah, even like growing up, I was quite a round kid, just 
love food a lot, still do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was always sort of that fear, oh, you know, I'm not as fast as the other kids or this and that. And so I think, yeah, just being supportive and encouraging. And even there's another girl I know quite well. I'm pretty sure she used to play for United, so you'll know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But she's a netball player, uh, generally a central shooter, I think, and she's blind in one eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when she was younger, everyone sort of thought, oh, I don't know how she's going to go, balance and coordination. She's one of the best players I've ever seen, like way better than I could ever be. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think just giving them a shot. Like, yeah, like just having a go, like just and giving them the opportunity. And I think that's the biggest thing. And if, if, they not, if they're not getting the, the, that support from home um, or school, um, you know, we have ba- basketball at the moment is probably one of our biggest sports and it's sort of bucking the trend in terms of, a decline in numbers. I know Orange is, is you know, um, and our Orange committee have, over the past ten years have worked extremely hard to get it where it is today. And we have regularly, because that basically runs the whole season, you know, summer into winter. So it just it just rolls around. And we have mums and dads ringing up saying, "My son's just come home from school. Loves basketball. We want to get him into a team." And um, so we. We do that through, you know, we, we offer or well, we, we actually support the kids to actually get into a, whether it's in a United team or another team, to actually get them into the sport and basically some of them might. So I had a mum yesterday, our, our primary girls finished and the mum said, look, she hated it from the second game, <laughs> but she, you know, she, but she loved the girls. Like she met, made all new friends, came in and she goes, he's doing soccer in, this, in, in winter she'll be back for summer and um yep she goes yep thanks jay and all of 10 and i thought that's great you need to be able to go out and especially younger kids so they need to experience as many different sports as possible um, Mm. just to help help develop those fundamental skills in terms of like the the catching throwing balancing because if you're playing one sport you're just developing certain skills whether it's soccer you're only just you know basically kicking and if it's just at a so I encourage kids and always have to play multiple sports. Yeah, um, I really think that's great because even different sports encourage different values and mm-hmm. morals and things like that, whether that be a team sport or independent and so many other factors. And so I feel as though it's a great sort of self-identity builder and it's really important to know yourself through sport and things like that. A big confidence builder as well. Yeah, definitely. It just makes it harder with the cost. Yeah. yeah. The cost of... So, you know, mum or dad have to probably work two jobs to, yeah. to support the kids. I guess, what would be the, like shifting gears a little bit, what would be the biggest challenge for Indigenous kids and young people that they face today? And what would you like to see happen over the course of like the next 10 years? Oh, the biggest challenge for me is, like I said, I, I think it's the social stuff that they all the IT stuff, all the, the social media, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for for the for the kids, these, you know, especially our Aboriginal youth. Um, and it's also another challenge for me, or, and this is my personal belief, is I think they need to find who they are within themselves in terms of their, their cultural identity. Uh, and it comes back to a lot of youth these days, and I call it just um, 
a lot of youth are just sort of Americanized, where they you know, and comes back to access through YouTube and all the all the all the um, media platforms, where they see the the rappers and the gangsters and what, and they try yeah. to imitate imitate that. And I think that is certainly one of the biggest challenges for our Aboriginal youth, rather than finding and finding who they are within themselves and sort of being finding more more out about their family and the, the, the struggles that uh, their families went through to actually get get them to where they are today to be able to walk around you know walk around the streets free because only going back a, a generation for like my dad come from Moree he um, come from um, the the bottom camp in Moree and basically had to wear it yeah, he was um, confined to the mission, so they couldn't walk up the street. Uh, they couldn't. They were segregated. They couldn't walk into a shop. They had to go uh, basically in the back door and get served out the back. Yeah. And you know that wasn't that long ago. So, and uh, my my dad passed um, just a bit over three years ago, and we still have a lot of Aboriginal people within um, that are living today that had gone through the stolen generation. And they were subject to those, uh, like the Australia white policies, yeah, um, with assimilation and you know, all of that, that are still alive today. So, I, I think our our youth today has lost that, or they don't have a full understanding, and they don't fully appreciate it in terms of the the fights and the struggles that our you know that our parents, our grandparents, and great grandparents. Endured and went through to give them what they have today. It's like a bigger understanding of like the context of why things are like they are and how much like their family and their elders like contributed to how they can have the the opportunities that they can have today. Much so, much so, definitely. So, I I I would like to, and that's one of the things that I'd like to see you know, you know moving forward. It's also one of the I believe one of the, our biggest barriers that today that our young youth are facing and I'd also like to think that that can be overcome and how we do that is I don't know we we just for me everything comes back to education so it comes mm. back to the you know the, the uh, in terms of the the cultural sense for our youth it comes back to families sitting down talking and, and being a part of it but generally society as a whole has gone like life is just like it's better it's just like it's just got so fast that even families don't have time for families these days like i know you know growing up we'd always even with my mum and you know dad here in orange every sunday we knew it was sunday dinner like a sunday race with mm. mums and certainly i'm probably guilty of it well I, I am guilty of it so i don't see my kids and my grandkids as often as that that i'd like and it's it's because of again we're caught up in this yeah, I, I don't know what you'd call it. Like it, to me, it's just like the the old world is just sort of speeding up, and it's just making it difficult, or not difficult. Our priorities change and, and change yeah. focus, and that's where we we sort of push down those those sort of paths rather than holding on to the the true values around that, that we were actually raised on in terms of around that family. Yeah, and I think I think it'd be hard to like keep that kind of stuff in mind when you've got all these immediate 
issues nowadays like cost of living or, mm-hmm. or how you're going to like you know, pay the next bill or where you're going to like even like even like where you're going to sleep next because you know if you're lucky to find a house then you're doing at least fairly well and now you know not just young people people in general can struggle with that mm-hmm. if someone was to like be really struggling and like be they in the indigenous community or not where would you like where would you like recommend them to like go see and what kind of advice would you give them? I mean, there's so many services, like great services within Orange. We're, we're quite blessed here um, as for, as a regional, sort of a larger regional centre. Um, but anyone just sort of struggling, I mean, Headspace, for example, is a great service to, to come, oh. come to. But it's, there's, there's so many different services that, can, that youth can reach out for these days and reach out for that support. Um, it's just a matter of one one of the hardest things to do is actually ask for that help mm. and and then look at seeking it going to to actually pursue it it's one thing to ask for it and say yeah I'll do it put you in put you in touch with whether it's headspace or lives live well or whoever that offer these services it's another thing to actually walk through that door and basically sit there and say, hey, I need this help. Mm. Or even with the GAP, it's just like it can be hard to like admit that you need help or that you might be struggling in some kind of area. But mm-hmm. yeah. it's just about... One of the things, I'm not sure how much time we've got left because I'm just going to share one. I'll share one other story, which, and this is personal to me. And like I said, I've always been active. I've always been like having a positive attitude and just you know, getting out there I've, I've never been critical of men that basically over the years said, oh, look, you know, that have gone through depression or some sort of mental, I guess, illness. And it was, and this happened to me through the COVID um, shutdown. Mm. And it, it came down to um, me not being fully vaccinated at the time and my workplace. So basically they said, well, you've got this amount of time to do it, otherwise you don't have a job. And I I had a whole range of sort of anxiety and different emotions that like a roller coaster within a short period of time. Because um, I've got some underlying health issues and then basically what you're seeing through the media, again, the, the old media, treaded media, yeah. that I was saying basically you had people having strokes, heart attacks and like these, you know, blood clots and these were issues which affect, that I've got some underlying issues with and I'm thinking, do I actually just go, like, I I felt like that I was playing Russian roulette with my life to say, go get vaccinated and um, wait to have this happen or not. So, you know, and after basically seeing my GP and they were saying, well, and seeing specialists and they were, without going into too much detail, they they extremely supportive but I was still at a point where I'm thinking yeah I wasn't totally convinced and I found myself just isolated at home and like it was it was for me it's just when I look back on it now it was just like an absolute blur of this like seven or eight months that I went through and I was thinking prior to that I was in the gym five or six days a week I hope I've just really started going back to the gym, so it was over. It was over uh, 15, 18 months for me to step foot back in there. So, so I went through this period where I just spiralled out, 
And there were some days where I couldn't couldn't get out of bed, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? And it was just, it was just I spiraled into this sort of, I guess it was a a depression and um, sort of mental state where I just found myself, you know, being quite anxious around a whole range of issues, and I, I just lost myself for you know pretty much six to seven months. And I, I know my trainee used to come home some days and say, have you been out of bed today? And I would go, what time is it? Like, oh. I would just, I'm thinking, really, is that, like, that's to the point where I yeah. got, and I'm thinking, how do I, how does, how do I get here? How did I get here? Exactly. It's like, you've had that moment, and I think everyone's had that moment, at least, not even before the pandemic, it's just they've had that moment in their life where it's like, oh, what day is it? Yeah. And it's just like, that's the the ultimate sign where it's like, I need to be doing something about this. Yeah. And, yeah, so long story short, basically, yeah, and basically with the support of my GP, um, Katrina, and, you know, and, and family, to basically, they've said, you need to get your purpose back and starting, you know, to, to get back into it. So with the, with a, you know, it, it was a struggle, but, and even now, I still find that I still have some hang-up days. Previously, they were, and far between, but um, now it's sort of like you know I might be having a moment thinking no, I've just got to pull myself out of it. So it's going for a walk or you know going to the gym and doing that exercise to release those endorphins and just get mm. that that those positive vibes back. And you walk out, like I said, the hardest thing is walking through that door. But when you're walking out, you're just thinking, how good was that? Yeah, like thank goodness yeah. I did take that step. Yeah. But that's, you know, for, for me, that's a little part where, as, and, and I guess it comes back to any individual, you, do, you never see yourself in a position like that. Like, for me, I, I'd never, I, I never doubted, like, especially men that said they were in those positions, but I've certainly got a newfound appreciation for anyone that says it, and I'm happy to, to sit there and, you know, share my struggles and, and um, my story with anyone and basically support them to the hilt to say, hey, there is help out there. Mm, definitely. So, yeah. so I guess to, ra- to wrap us up then, uh, we tell this to all our guests basically, but, you know, self-care is obviously one of the best things that you can do, not just, you know, in supporting your mental health, but just like keeping yourself on the straight and narrow or, or you know, whenever you're struggling in any way self-care is often one of the most important things that you can do on a day-to-day basis so what is it that you like doing for self-care it's the gym it's uh walking we've got our son's dog jay so he's actually he's on the central coast at the moment and so yeah taking the taking a dog for a walk um getting out fishing oh yeah bush walking so done quite a bit of bush walking over the over the the Christmas break with Katrina, so Blue Mountains, Central Coast, beautiful areas. And I'd cover, I'd encourage anyone that, you know, if you just need that recharge, go to the bush, take your shoes off, walk through, you know, whether it's on the beach, through the bush, wherever, and just get back to nature and and just feel it rejuvenate your your mind, body and soul. Totally. So that's it. I'd done that Sunday, I was out the river. Sunday went out for a fish, and that's something that I that um, I like to do. And I probably 
I don't get there as often as I'd like to, but um, again, now I'm just making priorities. Uh, especially this year, I thought I'm not getting any any younger, so I need to be able to pursue stuff that I'd like to do, and hence that's why I'm doing you know the, the, the filming and the videoing. It's something that it's always been, especially the photography component. I've been an avid photographer my whole life, but never pursued it, and so I'm, I thought it was just coming out of the the shutdown I joined the local camera club here and I thought I've never well I thought yeah I'm, I'm gonna actually do that so do, <laughs> a bit, do a bit for me so it's those sort of activities where you've got that interest that I that I turn to to actually and like I said I mean if I'm having a down day if it's not walking the dog I'll pick the camera up and just go for a drive take photos mm. um, and do that sort of stuff and you've, you it just changes your mindset refreshes you just gets you into into a better headspace for a bit <laughs> pardon the pun but yeah yeah, um, yeah for, for me it does so I, I enjoy that type of stuff but yeah great outdoors you cannot beat it oh totally you cannot beat it and of course playing sport so, oh yeah yeah so I still play uh, still play basketball I s- still actively coach a number of junior teams I'm doing stuff pretty much five days six days a week so which is for me that's what I've always done, and it, yeah. Why stop now? Well, that's exactly right. I'll keep going for as long as I can, but I'm finding that balance now. So I'm I'm <laughs> going to make time to do more, more of the fishing, more of the photography, more going to see the family and uh, catching up with the grannies and doing that sort of stuff. Again. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So that's well, I guess that's about it. So thank you very much, Jason, for joining us. No, uh, thank you for the opportunity. I know I, I've rambled a bit, and I'm thinking I've got sidetracked and. Oh. What, did I just make sense? I thought, did I, was I making sense then or what? No. But that's just, I think that's the beauty of um, podcasts. Like yeah, well, that's, I'm just looking, I'm just listening, to, looking at all this and it's just like, oh, so much of this I love and it's like, we're nearly at an hour and it's like, I'm going to have to like, it's going to hurt me to edit this down. But yeah. no, but thank you so much for joining us and thank you all very much for listening to Talking About Us. So I hope you'll join us next time and thank you all very much. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, bye. Thanks for the opportunity. That's great.